Thanks, brother. Okay, Bible. All right, let's take our Bibles today and turn to uh, uh, Luke chapter 5. So we're going to get back to the book of Luke, at least for one Sunday. Um, praying about what to do next week is, is uh, Mother's Day, and so I like to take advantage of those days and bring messages from Scripture uh, concerning, and of course next week concerning mothers and concerning godly um, motherhood, womanhood. For today, let's get back to the book of Luke, chapter 5, and we're starting in verse 17. Um, the last time we were in the book of Luke, we looked at the matter of prayer. We spent a few weeks uh, studying some things that the scripture says in the matter of prayer. And so today we're moving on to another episode in the life of Christ, starting in verse 17. And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Let's stop right there and we'll pray and then get into the message for today. Dearest Heavenly Father, we're thankful that we can, uh, through the scriptures, look into the earthly life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray for the help of the Holy Spirit in bringing forth the message today, and we just ask for his guidance and pray that the Word of God would do its work in each of our hearts, and we'll pray in Jesus' name, amen. So it's, I'm glad to be back to the book of Luke, again, hopefully maybe just for one Sunday, then we'll come back to it. Um, the book of Luke, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are studies of the person, life, and work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, as we continue in this great book that emphasizes the humanity of Christ, we will see many examples of his amazing power and grace. Again, Luke emphasizes Christ's humanity. So there are things in the book of Luke that are not in the other three Gospels as it emphasizes some of the, more of his heart and passion and so on. And today we're going to see uh, him declare by word and action that he has power to forgive sins. That's the title of today's message, Power to Forgive Sins. And so in three, three things about his power in this passage in Luke uh, 5, verses 17 through 26. Number one, the first thing we read about is the power to heal. And we know Jesus Christ had that. But let's take a look at some things here. Uh, the setting, notice, and it came to pass, verse 17, on a certain day, um, probably not the Sabbath, because it mentions whenever he's doing things on the Sabbath, it usually mentions that, and so this is probably another day um, as he's traveling and, and he's, as he's teaching and so forth, and at, that a certain day as he was teaching, right, so there was a multitude gathered, um, there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, right, and so um, already early in his ministry because the, the word had gotten around about his preaching about his miracles, and so the leaders were going, were coming around, and they were checking it out. The Pharisees, of course, the supreme leaders, as it were, self-appointed uh, of the of the Jewish people. Doctors of law means simply those that were expert, those who were trained in the law, and they were teaching, or teaching the law, and they were judging everybody else. 
who tried to teach the law. Now, notice what it says about these Pharisees and doctors. They were sitting by, you know, checking them out. But it says they were come out of every town of Galilee, which is the northern province, Judea, which is the southern one, and Jerusalem. So all from all of these, all over Israel, they had gathered. And notice it says the power of the Lord was present to heal them. So in the midst of all this, um, this setting, uh, the power of God, the power of the Lord, was present to heal them. That is the sick that were gathered. And so we'll talk about that a little bit more. But I want us to think about the pow- that last statement in verse 17 again. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now the Pharisees, the doctors, the people of Israel uh, believed in the Lord. They claimed to. Uh, they believed in Jehovah God. Um, God Elohim, they had, they had their, you know, they had their laws, they had their traditions, they had their services, they had their worship. And so, um, the power of the Lord, they would recognize that as coming from heaven, coming from God. The question was, who was this Jesus? And as you know, as he went through his earthly life, you know, the conflicts and so on became greater and greater and greater until eventually the Pharisees and all the leaders determined that he had to die, right? And so, um, but I want us to think about something in particular about the power of the Lord being present to heal them. Obviously, it was because Jesus Christ was doing the will of the Father, and so he was empowered by the Holy Spirit, but because he was the Lord, because he was God in the flesh, he had this power also. Now, they, and they should recognize this. I want us to take a look at just a couple other uh, scriptures. First of all, Matthew chapter 8, as we take a look there, um, and what the, what the scripture says, what Matthew wrote as he was moved by the Holy Spirit, he commented on what was going on in Matthew chapter 8. Um, talking about there were several healings. Um, the centurion's um, servant, um, Peter's mother-in-law, mentions those early in the chapter. And then verse 16, when the even was come, in other words, evening, they brought unto him, notice this, many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and healed all that were sick. Something that had never happened in Israel. I mean, once in a great while, there was a healing here and there. Some of those are documented, like Naaman the Syrian. You know, Elisha t- said a servant said, "Go dip in Jordan," and, and his leprosy was cured. But not on, never nothing, anything at all like this. And so, notice that at the end of verse 16, there's a colon, which means the f- it's finished in the next verse. This is Matthew writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Now, let's go back, because that's a, that's a reference to Isaiah 53. Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah is obviously a wonderful chapter in the word of God, giving the gospel, talking about the Messiah and his suffering and all that. But notice it also says something else in Isaiah chapter 53. 
Now, Isaiah chapter 53, <coughs> excuse me, verse 4, says this, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Now, that's the verse that Matthew is referring to. Now, in Matthew chapter 8, he refers to that as um, our, notice, our infirmities and bear our sicknesses. And the Hebrew words translated griefs and sorrows are referring to physical infirmities and sicknesses. Now in the writers, when they, when they translated in the King James Version, one of the things that they used was what was known as a Septuagint, which is a Greek Old Testament. And it was very widely used among Greek-speaking people. And so that may also be where Matthew gets that, the, the idea of infirmities and sicknesses. But this, the, so in other words, what I'm saying is this was part, according to Isaiah chapter 53, this would be part of the Lord, this would be part of the Messiah's ministry when he came on earth to bear griefs and sorrows. Again, Matthew says infirmities and sicknesses. So that's referring to physical healing. Yet we can esteem him stricken, Isaiah 53, 4, smitten of God and afflicted. Now, verse 4 or 5, notice the word, the first word is but. Right? But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And that's interesting there. The word but tells us that verse 4 and verse 5 are talking about two different things. Verse 4, physical healing. Verse 5 and the rest of the chapter, spiritual healing, salvation, forgiveness of sin. See, his wounds, his suffering. His, on the cross and all that was not for sickness, it was for sin. And Isaiah makes that very clear. And I say that because there are people being taught today, it's been taught for a long time, that physical healing is part of the atonement. And they use that, they try to use the verse, his stripes we are healed, to, to back that up, that because when you're saved, you're not only saved spiritually, but you're healed physically. And the only... The problem for that, there's, really, there's no evidence of that in the Bible because all people, Christians, get sick just like everybody else, and Christians die just like everybody else. But, but that's not what I want to highlight about what is said here. The fact that these, let's go back to, to uh, Luke chapter 5, the fact that these Pharisees and doctors of the law, they meant that, that title was given for those who were specially trained in the Old Testament, they should have picked that up in their study of the Old Testament. In fact, you know, it talks about healing other places there uh, in the Old Testament. So what he was doing here in Luke chapter 5 uh, obviously was a testimony of his power and of his healing power as the scriptures forecast or foretold. Okay? So he had, the, he had power to heal. Then secondly, I want you to see that he had the power to perceive something we don't have. In verse 18, And behold, men brought in a bed a man which is taken with a palsy, a paralytic, 
disease, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, Mark says there was no room anywhere. The house was filled. They couldn't get through the door or anything. Um, they, went up upon, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. They wanted to get their friend to the Lord Jesus, and I thought about that and reminded me how persistent are we trying to bring others to Jesus? What obstacles are we willing to overcome to bring others to the Lord? Now, what we're going to find out here in a minute is they were, seek, they were looking for more than physical healing. We're going to find that out. But notice to the, we're gonna, the power to perceive, verse 20. And when he saw their faith, Jesus saw their faith. Um, so faith, the friend's persistence was what they did. Even they tore a hole in the roof, basically, and let him down uh, to Jesus. Um, and that faith was perceived. Um, and this, when it says that he saw their faith, it doesn't just mean he saw what they did. Um, he saw the faith behind their action. All right. And so he has that perception, and we thank God for that. He sees and knows all things. Now, the reward of faith is this. Man, when he saw their faith, he said unto them, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. So that's the reward of faith, and we're going to talk about that. That's going to be the third and final point in the message this morning. So they brought him to the Lord Jesus Christ. He saw their faith. I want you to notice something else in Hebrews chapter number 4. Hebrews 4, regarding the word of God. Right? The Lord Jesus Christ had the power to perceive, the power to know, the power to see, the power to discern. Fabulous passage here. In Hebrews chapter 4, talking about the scriptures, talking about the written word of God, it says, For the word of God is quick or living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. See, the word of God knows. The, the word of God discerns. The word of God is like that sword that pierces. And thank God for that. The Bible points out to us, all right? In fact, as Timothy, or Paul wrote to Timothy, um, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And so, thank God for that. So we have the power of Christ, we have the power of the Word, we have the power of the Holy Spirit, and these all um, work together. And so, the, the point of all this, in fact, one of the reasons that the power of the Lord was present to heal was because God knew all about this situation. God knew what, about these men um, I think in Mark, I think it says four. There were four that brought him and let him down. And so verse 20 brings us to the third point. That is the power to forgive. And when he saw their faith in verse 20, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. All right. And so I thought about that. 
um, when does God forgive us? When does he forgive? When we ask. When we exercise faith, saving faith, if you want to call it that, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as I said earlier, that's why these men brought their friend for more than just physical healing. And when he saw their faith, and I would, that would include the man in that, for the five of them, he made that declaration, he made the statement, thy sins are forgiven thee. And so Christ had the power to forgive sins. So, I like that. I love that. Because obviously they, in their hearts, he knew it was in their hearts. And he knew that they had believing. And apparently, obviously, they, he, at least, this man, recognized that he was a sinner. And so Christ pronounced him forgiven. And I don't see any place in Scripture where he does that without someone asking. He doesn't just arbitrarily forgive. Now, on the cross, he prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. But that was basically praying that God would grant forgiveness, but it would only happen if they asked for it. All right? And it's been provided. That's, That's the challenging thing. In every generation, we we all know people that we would like to see saved, and we wish somehow we could make them see. But how does faith come? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The Holy Spirit takes the word and, and applies it and uses it. And so, here's a statement. Now, another thing, obviously, that is so great about the Lord Jesus Christ is that he says what needs to be said. He says the truth, but he says it in in a way to provoke a response. He always does that. Uh, The Lord Jesus Christ just, just didn't let people slip by without confrontation. Even these rulers, he knew their hearts. And he knew, you know, very few of them would ever come to know Christ. Some did. The Bible talks about priests and book and acts and some Pharisees believing. And yet he still gave them the opportunity. He gave them the the truth and to try, you know, to break through the the crust, you know, that out that hard core that they had raised up against God, and so they, in which they had uh, cemented with all their traditions and their rituals and all those things, and all that they did uh, just caused, caused them to go farther and farther away from the Lord. And so, obviously, as Jesus knew would happen, this is their response, all right? Let's take a look at their accusation. In verse 21, And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, back and forth, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Do you know that a half-truth is is the most dangerous lie? They had half of it right. It's true. Only God can take away sin. Only God can forgive sin in that sense. Only he can remit sin. Now the Bible says we're to forgive one another, but that's on a different level. Only God can take away sin. And they were, they were right on that, but they were wrong in the first part, which was deadly. All right? They accused him of speaking blasphemy. Um, they accused him here of taking on or claiming authority or power that he didn't have. Right? 
And so they were, and obviously that was not the first time. What This w wouldn't be the last time that they accused him of blasphemy. So Jesus was God in the flesh, which his accusers did not know nor acknowledge, and so many today, millions, do not see this, they do not understand, recognize that Jesus Christ was the only begotten Son of God, and that he is God in the flesh, and that makes all the difference. They can say all they want about his works and all those kinds of things, and but if they don't understand, you know, and it goes right back, uh, the story of the baby in the manger, such a beautiful story to so many people, but yet that, that's as far as it goes. And here, <clears throat> they acknowledged, they had to, they had to, they had to acknowledge the, the miracles that were happening. They had seen them. But yet, so this, who's, wh who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sin but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, and here's that power to perceive also, he answering said of them, What reason ye in your heart? So here's the actuality. In other words, why are you reasoning? What do you, what do you, why do you reason in your hearts? Why are you going over this? Why are you accusing? And he says from a personal standpoint, whether, whether's easier, or which is easier? Which, what can I rightly say? Can I say, do I have the right to say, thy sins be forgiven thee? Do I have the right to say, or the power to say, rise up and walk? Now, Jesus could have done that. And the Pharisees and the um, doctors probably wouldn't have had a problem with that. Rise up and walk. They'd probably seen it already. They'd heard of it, of the things that he had done. But Jesus didn't take the easy road. He took the road of truth. Basically, he's also saying this. For me to say, thy sins are forgiven, or to say, rise up and walk, they're, they're, I, I equally have both power. Both powers. I can do either. I can do both. And so, here it is. Here's the, here's the conclusion of that. Verse 24, but that ye may know, the group, these, this group of experts and rulers, that ye, that, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins. And the word power there is the word that means authority or dominion, the right to control or govern, and jurisdiction. All right? Jesus had that authority to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy couch, and go into thine house. And so he said that. And immediately he rose up before them, that is the, the sick man, and took up that whereon he lay, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. Glorifying God. Again, there's, a, there's, an, ex, there's an, an evidence there that it wasn't just his body that was healed. Remember, and later on in the book of Luke, hopefully the Lord will come before we get there, but if he doesn't, and we're still here, if we haven't gone home, <laughs> uh, we'll, learn, we'll see about the ten lepers that came to Jesus, and they were healed, and, and one came back to give thanks. And Jesus said, were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? 
so did those nine become unhealed? Good question, right? I've had people say, well, every, everybody Jesus healed was also saved. I don't think so. I, I don't, in fact, it's, very, very, it's a minority of people. They were all about the physical. And Jesus, in his grace and mercy, to show his power and compassion, healed, healed all of everybody that came to him. Um, we read that in Matthew 8, healed them all. Or healed them all. But this man, this guy, this fella, departed to his own house, glorifying God. And as did the one leper, right? As did the demoniac in Mark chapter 5 who wanted to follow the Lord. But Jesus sent him back and to his hometown to declare, and he did. He went all over declaring. And it's interesting there in that passage in Mark 5 that lay the, you know, the people, when they saw what happened, they came out and said they pleaded with Jesus to leave. But when he came back the next time, they were all ready for him because, and one of the reasons, the testimony of the man who had been freed from demonic possession. And so they gave glory to God. Now the people, the multitude, probably not the rulers, says they were all amazed in verse 26. And they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. Unfortunately, our, 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 our idea of the word strange today is different than back in those days. All right? uh, we think strange like somebody with three eyes or, <laughs> or two heads. You know, sort of thing. Here the word strange means remarkable, unusual, or wonderful. And how could they? I mean, can you imagine what it would have been like to be there? Um, and I think about the people, the common people, the ones that were amazed here, the ones that glorified God, the ones who said, we have seen strange things today. And as they went through, and as Jesus went through his earthly life, think about the conflict um, among these common people and how it came to the place where they had to make a decision. Are they going to follow the Lord or are they going to listen to the Pharisees and the priests and the rulers? You know, in John 9, there's the example, the account of the man who was born blind. And, and eventually, you know the story, in John chapter 9, he was thrown out of the, he was thrown out of the synagogue. He, he was excommunicated from the Jewish religion because he testified of who he considered Jesus to be. He gave quite a testimony to those rulers. But then the thing is, the Lord found him and said, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? And he said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe him? He said, You have both seen him. It is he that speaketh to thee. So Jesus said, I am the one. And the man said, Lord, I believe. And worshipped him. He made the right decision. right? And so, strange things. And I'll tell you something, folks. Um, it's been a dry spell here and a lot of other places the last couple of years. And I would just long to see God do some strange things around here. And he's, he's able, he's capable of doing that. And so may the Lord help us. What a, wonder, what a wonderful, wonderful passage of scripture. And thank God that Jesus Christ has the power to forgive sins. And we and, uh, thank God for it. Thank God. And we can pray. You know, we can pray for physical healings according um, to the will of God. So Lord, may the God, may God help us. Let's pray. Father, thanks so much for this time that we can have in the word of God. We're thankful for this example of Christ's great power, his power over uh, sickness, but most of all, his power over sin.
power to forgive sin. Thankful for that. Thank you, Lord God, for what you've done in our lives, and I just pray that you would help us to reach out to others, to be a testimony wherever we are. We just commit these things unto thee now, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's think, let's take our hymn books, and we're going to we sing a hymn. We will sing a hymn that's normally a uh, an invitation hymn, but uh, I like to sing this hymn for every now and then when I'm driving along or something. Um, Just as I am, and thank God, thank God that Jesus Christ saved us where we were. I thank God that. He saves us just as we are, but he doesn't leave us like that. So let's stand. Let's stand. We'll sing all five of these short verses, and perhaps as believers, we can just reflect on and just rejoice in what God has done and fulfilling all these verses in our lives. All right? Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come, just as I am and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blood to thee whose blood can cleanse each spot O Lamb of God I come I come just as I am the tossed about with many a conflict, many a doubt, fightings and fears within, without, O Lamb of God, I come. I come just as I am poor wretched blind sight rich as healing of the mind yea all I need in thee to find O Lamb of God I come I come just as I am 
and I wet receive, wilt welcome, pardon, cleanse, relieve, because I promise I believe, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. For your, for your dear Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, for saving us from our sins, giving us a new life. Thank you, Father, for your continued work of cleansing and sanctifying. And may the Word of God continue, Father, to work in our hearts. We pray thy blessing as we remember our Savior's broken body and shed blood. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, please be seated. <coughs> remind us of the words of the Lord Jesus Christ as he met with his disciples. Judas had left already to go out and do his betrayal. Verse 26 of Matthew 26, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it, gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung in him, they went out into the Mount of Olives. And let's take a few moments of silent prayer as we do in self-examination before we um, partake of the elements. still bowed in prayer. Brother Bruce, would you please lead us and ask God's blessing upon the elements of the table. to the bread. 
Lord said, <clears throat> take, eat, this is my body. Regarding the cup, he said, drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. All right, let's stand please and we'll take our hymn books. We'll sing a verse of hymn number 121. Blessed Calvary. <coughs> and we're going to sing, please, just verse number three. The cross is my hope for eternity. The cross is my hope for eternity. No merit have I of my own. The shed blood of Christ, my only plea, my trust is in Jesus alone. Blessed Calvary, precious Calvary, neath thy shadow I'll ever Blessed Calvary, precious Calvary, t'was there Jesus suffered and died. Amen. You are dismissed.